Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mara and Brian is here with me. Uh, Before Brian leads us in our opening prayer, let me share with you a beautiful, beautiful Muslim quote from Rabia the Mystic. In the valley, on the mountains, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted in his flame. Amid the sparks of the flame, I beheld only God. Good morning, and Brian, if you could lead us in our opening prayer and do your little own introductory greeting. We are here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent Him who sent us. We do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent us will direct us. We are content to be wherever he wishes knowing he goes there with us. We will be healed as we let him teach us to heal. Hello, this is Brian and good morning and welcome to You Are Okay with Brian and Brian. I hope everyone out there is having a wonderful day and a wonderful holiday season. Or as Mara put it last week, a wonderful ho- uh, holy day season. Yeah, is that how you put yeah. it last week, Mara? That is all I, how I said it, holy days. I think, that, I think holidays is simply someone uh, spelling whole wholly different because it is truly a season of so much celebration and embracing for so many of the faiths around the world it is just truly lovely truly truly lovely and in keeping with Brian and my uh, message that we began about three weeks ago that the um, time of the Antichrist is coming to an end uh, my daughter actually said something that adds to the concept of the holy days to me. She brought me a book. I haven't seen my daughter in a year. Uh, she's in the military. Not because she was in Iraq this time, just because uh, she lives in a different part of the country. And uh, this morning she was sharing with me this Hopi Indian um, passage. And I don't have it immediately in front of me, but I can share with you the idea that the Hopis believe that God is, as we've so often said, defined by many different different ways and with different names, and that really what our life passage is about is bringing together threads of all of those different beliefs into one fabric and reawakening all to all we are and to our connection with love with God. And to me, that's what saying holy days as opposed to holiday days means, is recognizing that there is no one path. And why do we need for there to be one path? I don't know. That's kind of an interesting concept. That Brian, I know we didn't talk about this before. In fact, we talked about very little but the travails and craziness and chaos in my life right now. But um, why do, do you have any ideas on that? Why do we need to have only one right way to go home well, today? Very, to me, that's very simple of a question, and that's because the ego, as we know, wants to be right about everything and wants to basically be the only one who's right and controls everything else around it and makes it believe what it believes. And so we get locked into an idea that this is the one way, and unless you're going this one way, you are stuck or you are going the wrong way. And so now it's my job to save you so that you can follow my way and be saved just like me. And to me, that's where a lot of religions come from. That's what a lot of religions stem from. And as you're, as you're saying, that Hopi prayer or uh, philosophy, is that, that's exactly right, that there's more than one way, that there's 
and they're all actually the same. They all actually lead to the same place. And so, to allow people to have their freedom to walk the path that they choose is a blessing to them and to everyone else. Because your way is just another way. It's not the only way. And as we talked before on the show, is that I realized that there is not only more ways than one, but there are roughly seven billion ways because there are seven billion different people. And no, no matter how many people you get together who believe the same religion and even might go to the same church and you ask them a million questions, not every single one of them would answer them exactly the same. So even amongst your own religion, you're going to have different views. And so there's no one set way of all of the different views and this is right and everything else that fall into line. And so if we can, and we can, when we choose to allow people the freedom to choose their way and bless them the whole way, no matter what it is they choose, we'll find that we'll actually be opened up to the truth that they are finding their way just fine. And there's nothing for us to do to, to help them along except to support them and love them. And this actually brings to mind this, this wonderful email that a friend of mine sent to me yes, uh, two, day, uh, two days ago on Friday. And I, it, it speaks a little bit about this in a playful manner. And so I'd like to share it with you now. Um, mm-hmm. It's always good to laugh. Laughter is a wonderful tool for the soul. I love it. You seem to do that every Sunday, and I love it. <laughs> so go for it. <laughs> wonderful email. It says, the following is an actual question given on a University of Washington chemistry midterm. The answer by one student was so profound that the professor shared it with his colleagues via the Internet, which is, of course, why we have the pleasure of enjoying it as well. The question, is hell exothermic, off heat, or endothermic, absorbed heat? Most of the students wrote proofs of their beliefs using Boyle's Law. Gas cools when it expands and heats when it is compressed, or some variant thereof. One student, however, wrote the following. First, we need to know how the mass of hell is changing in time. So we need to know the rate at which souls are moving into hell and the rate at which they are leaving. I think that we can safely assume that once a soul gets to hell, it will not leave. Therefore, no souls are leaving. As for how many souls are entering hell, let's look at the different religions that exist in the world today. Most of these religions state that if you are not a member of their religion, you will go to hell. Since there is more than one of these religions, and since people do not belong to more than one religion, we can project that all souls go to hell. With birth and death, rates as they are, we can accept the number of souls in hell to increase exponentially. Now, we look at the rate of change of the volume in hell because Boyle's Law states that in order for the temperature and pressure in hell to stay the same, the volume of hell has to expand proportionately as souls are added. This gives two possibilities. If hell is expanding at a slower rate than the rate at which souls enter hell, then the temperature and pressure in hell will increase until all hell breaks loose. If hell is expanding at a rate faster than the increase of souls in hell, then the temperature and pressure will drop until hell freezes over. So which is it? (laughs) If we accept the postulate given to me by Teresa during my freshman year that it will be a cold day in hell before I sleep with you and take into account the fact that I slept with her last night, then number two must be true. And thus, I am sure that hell is exothermic and has already frozen over. <laughs> the core area of this theory is that since hell has frozen over, it follows that it is not accepting of more souls and therefore extinct, leaving only heaven, thereby proving the existence of a divine being, which explains why last night Teresa kept shouting, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is I love that. That is wonderful. So you see right there, it says that, you know, everybody's got their own idea. And if everybody says 
then unless you follow my religion, you go to hell, then just like the student says, well, I'll go into hell. So we see that there's more than one way. There's more than one way, or we'd all be lost. Yes, yes. And you know that, that even can extrapolate into just our daily living and and, and looking at uh, how we we deal with people. And, and actually... Uh, Brian, what you you said uh, when before you read the email, although the email was so wonderful that all there is is heaven, I, I'm in total agreement. <laughs> but uh, it was um, something to the effect that if we just loved everyone and let them live their lives, and you know, it's we can say that with religion, and yet I often wonder how difficult it is to translate that same philosophy into life, into our living, and and accepting that just because someone else wants to do something a different way doesn't mean that you need to become embroiled in some sort of uh, I'm right, you're wrong mission. We talked about that last week. But also, it, it, I'm, I'm still caught up in all of the drama of last week. For whatever reason, it, it seemed to echo into this week. And I'm, I've been asking myself, what lessons are there in this for me? And one of them was that I finally realized yesterday, it was almost what you call a serendipitous moment, that I have no control over this other person. And I need to just, in a business context, allow her to voice her opinion. I don't have to do what she says because I do have control over me. But what has been happening is I've allowed her desire to control me, to shape a different me than I want to be. And so she may not have control over me, but she has been having a major influence on who I have been for the last uh, week and a half. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to just allow her to, just as I would allow her to be Jewish, I want to allow her to be who she is and continue to just be myself. And maybe when we're talking about gut instinct, that's kind of uh, goes to the very core of gut instinct on some level because is your gut instinct your mind or is it telling you what you should do? Uh, or is it, in fact, ego rearing its head and driving you into uh, the arms of chaos? And I happen to believe that generally if we would quiet ourselves, calm ourselves, and take deep breaths, our gut instincts will give us serendipitous revelations such as the one I had yesterday, that if I don't like who I am, that isn't because she made me who I am. It's because of the choices I'm making. And the only person who can change that person that's being reflected is me, not her huge lesson for me but I didn't get that feeling when I was in the pit of chaos and I was talking from uh, that chaos from ego and I needed to be vindicated and I was hurting myself physically uh, And but I felt that the way to vindication I was also making myself noble uh, my motives were noble my efforts were noble I was trying to reach out you know what? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is I lost my peace and was changing who I was by talking about somebody almost on a constant basis when I hardly had mentioned her name in months. That was a statement of my ego, not my highest self. My you highest know, self have... is... I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, are you, are you right. finished? Because I was going to take it a little yes. bit different direction. Please. I was just going to say you bring up some wonderful points there, um, one of which is that you said that your intentions were good, but you were um, still mentioning her a lot and, and you know, going down a, maybe a different path. And that brings to mind the saying, 
um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, you know, good point. I realized, I realized that, see, with me doing this radio show with you and doing my radio show on Saturdays and on Mondays and living my daily life in general, I'm starting to realize, just much like we talked about with the religions, I'm not here to change or save anyone. That is not my job. My job yes. is to declare who I am and be who I am and allow others to be who they choose to be. And exactly. so I'm really, they, I'm really doing that. Exactly. And that is a huge challenge in life. Not just, let's put the religion part aside, folks. You know, that seems so easy. Okay, be a Jew, be a Muslim, be a Buddhist, be whatever. I mean, be a pagan. I mean, a Wiccan, whatever. It's so easy. Those words are so easy. What is really tough is how are we putting this, and Brian, I think that you're probably doing an admirable job. I want you all to know that I'm the Brian Admiration Club. I really didn't know Brian before. Uh, I know, though, because he is human. There are times when he steps off the track, because even the wisest, purest messengers periodically step off into the chaos of life and i venture to suggest to you my friends it is because we do not take three deep breaths we do not remember that we are always connected with god and we are going about trying to change that person or at least convince everybody else that that person is wrong and we are right look what that person is doing to me poor poor pitiful me is there a, if we're laughing today, isn't there, that's something like, that's like a country western song. Party. <laughs> yeah. And I love country western music, but I mean, yeah, it's a pity party. And, and you know, and you, it doesn't matter if you're saying, oh, gee, look at me, I'm not this person. Yes, you are. You're that person who's talking about someone else. You know, uh, you're that person who's pushing forward that your way is the right way because you are coming up in an enemy stance, my friends. It's like the Maginot Line and the Siegfried Line during World War II, both of which had no value because both people stood on the other side. They should have stopped war. They built walls to stop war. One wasn't anything. The Siegfried Line didn't really exist. It was in the mind. The Maginot Line actually existed but and it should have stopped the war but instead the people stood and looked at each other and said i am right you are wrong therefore who is on my side god god is on my side then show it if you are living a life that is imbued with love with god then you want to be reaching out in love. You want to be stepping past your ego. You want to be feeling that gut instinct that is driving you, and you want to look at that person and say, is this who I am? Remember, my friends, God told the Jews as they were leaving, or told uh, Moses to tell the Jews that he was sent by the great I am. People look for all this hidden stuff in the Bible, clues. They have to do numerical texts and, and analysis to change the plain meaning of the words. Let's all together, my friends. What's God's name? The great, the universal, the all-encompassing. But get the last two words. I am. What a huge, huge responsibility. It's a challenge to step past our humanity in our lives, not just in our words about religion, but in our lives and model and exemplify accepting people for who they are. It doesn't have to be insulting. Perhaps it can be liberating. If someone tells you, um, yada, 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 you can say, well, that's one idea. If someone tells you something that's totally contrary to you, just, something you just said, what's wrong with saying that's something that should be considered? 
none of those things force you in your business world to make poor choices, but they validate the person. It They empower the person to share their ideas, and it keeps you moving forward without getting caught up in the chaos of standing chest to chest, Siegfried to Mag, Maginot line, who is right? And in my protestations that I was not trying to be right and she felt she had to be right on everything, I was saying exactly the same thing in kinder, more loving words, my friends. It's not just about words, it's about deeds. I was saying the same thing. I love this quote from Rabbi Abraham Isaac Cook. The pure righteous people do not complain about wickedness, but add righteousness. They do not complain about disbelief, but add faith. They do not complain against ignorance, but add wisdom. That has been my challenge. My God, I have been ignoring it all week. My God has said, be still thy pen, thy voice. And I have bestilled my pen, but not my voice. I haven't been writing anything because I didn't want to look at it. When it's in writing, you can really see your ego at work. And I drove myself, my friends, I drove myself to the doctor. I drove myself to blood pressure going out the roof. I'm not an easy, tearful person. I drove myself to tears. All so that I could ignore my role in the drama that was playing. Poor, poor, pitiful me. So, Brian, are you as perfect as you sound? (laughs) Um, What is perfection? Almost. yourself in a uh, Siegfried Maginot line, uh, maybe that's, and that's probably too old, but that's historic, kind of a historical discussion. Do you remember those, any discussion of that in history when you were in school? No. Okay. See, it's so interesting because history evolves and, and what we teach our children evolve, but there's so many life lessons in some of it. Um, I I was in school, I I was born right after World War II, you know, maybe during the baby boom time. And so there was lots of discussion about war at that point. Um, I don't know, maybe in an effort to stop war. But uh, and, And there was this kind of, it was the beginning of that, the time where people felt if everybody had accumulated exactly the same amount of weapons, that would deter people from using them because of the fear of having them come back, rather than reaching deeper inside of ourselves and looking for some sort of recognition of our common humanity, recognition that when we bleed, we all bleed the same color blood. Instead, it was my weapons, I've got this many weapons, and I know you've got that many, but you may have one more, and then that would mean that if we used our weapons, we would destroy each other. So And they used to, frankly, when I was in school, in high school, they would talk about how many times we could destroy, each side could destroy the world over. Not exactly a real uplifting, hopeful presentation. The story one of my instructors told us was about the Siegfried and the Maginot line. After World War One, the French were... Were, and the French were kind of mortal enemies with the Germans, just like uh, there have been discussions to the Japanese and Chinese and the Chinese and the Koreans have been, that there's kind of this age-long, uh, centuries, maybe thousands of years-long conflict going on. And, and we see some of that in the Middle East even today. You'll notice that when we hear discussions of some of the conflict, we hear it in tribal names, not country names. 
So in any event, there was this conflict. And so after World War I, the French began the deterrent. And the French are really very, very remarkable in taking steps forward to avoid conflict. For anyone who's listening in France today, I say salute. I say namaste. I say good job. I'm not saying that they do not that they're perfect beings, but they they've looked for something to stop this inevitable killing phenomena that's been going on. Now they look at us with disdain because they see us as children who are still in the process of learning and we're protected by oceans. It's more easy for us to go and have a battle in their backyard. But really, really have tried. You'll notice they did not become involved in the Iraq conflict despite all of the coalition forces. Well, this Maginot Line is they they built this fortified line between France and Germany on their common border, and then and and basically it was you cannot get across this line. We will stop you. Now I will tell you how the Germans got across because you need to know the, what happened here, and that is that the Germans went up through. Uh, uh, Holland and Denmark, and came down in uh, to France through the north. That's how they got around the Maginot Line, and it became kind of a wasted effort. But the Germans built a Siegfried Line that was fake. It wasn't real. It wasn't fortified the way the Maginot Line was. And they believe because of their superior intellect, at least this is what was going on back then. I'm not, I, I also think we need to set aside uh, the tribal names we've all been given over the, in this earth. But um, that basically it was a psych game. I don't know if anybody out there plays pool, but they were psyching. The French were real. They were truly armed. The Germans psyched them, Germans psyched them, psyched them, excuse me. So anyway, so what happened is we have these two bare-breasted men, for want of a better word, standing there pounding on their chest like Johnny Weissmeller, like Tarzan. And, and then man still fought. And so when I say, have you had a moment, Brian, where you have stood there and you were willing to go to the death, even though death may be defined different, like high blood pressure for me, as as opposed to just letting it go and letting that person be who they are and going on with showing who you are. There you go, my friend. I've done that plenty of times in my life. And it's only recently that I've been catching myself sooner and saying, well, this isn't going to get me anywhere. Much like what happened to me really this week was mm -hmm. that I went on a business trip, trip over the mountains um, and on my way up, it was snowing, and we don't get a lot of snow in this area usually. And Wednesday, we got a ton of snow, uh, 11 inches for this area, which for not getting snow very often is uh, a lot. And so yeah. we don't have the – we're not prepared for such things to happen. So the when it happened, the uh, highway patrol and, and everything, and Caltrans, our local road uh, service people, didn't have – they weren't prepared. And so right. we ended up getting – stuck for the day up in the up the, at the top of the mountain. And obviously I had plans, you know, for business and everything to do and those all got laid to the you know, to the side. I couldn't do anything about it. And so I just pretty much got into a place of contentment and said, This is where I am for the next twenty four hours. There's nothing I can do about it. I could fight and complain and beat my chest all day long and it's not gonna get me anywhere. So just accept where I'm at. And so today this yeah. week was a wonderful lesson in that to just Accept what it what is, and do do with the, with the with what you ha can do the best with, and also to go along with that a little bit is later in the day. Um, this happened to me at nine in the morning. I mean, I was literally driving up the, to the top of the mountain that day at a uh, in the morning, and pretty much got stuck the top the second I got to the top, and ended up sitting in a truck stop for eight hours or so before the police um, and highway patrol decided they weren't even going to open the road up for the until the, the next morning. So I went on an adventure to go find a place to stay for the night. And all the hotels were booked up. And luckily, the Red Cross had opened up a shelter for the people. Some people were actually stuck on the roads in their car all night and couldn't get off the, high, the freeway to find a shelter. And 
so we were the first ones there, me and this other gentleman who ended up finding each other and you know spending the rest of the night with each other to keep each other company. And we were the first ones to the shelter. And so we started helping out, set everything up, and shovel some snow to make a pathway and, and whatnot. And in, in, in everybody getting involved doing stuff, I noticed that nobody was outside uh, directing traffic. Because I know when we first pulled up, we had no idea because we were the first ones there, so we had no idea w what was going on, where it was at exactly. And so when we found it, I decided to go out and kind of, as people would come up very uh, slowly, like they weren't sure this was a place, you know, I'd wave them on and they would come. So that was a, a wonderful thing. And so when, when I was helping out, this, this family got out of their car. And I don't know why this came to me, but I decided to say in a very cheerful voice, welcome to sunny Southern California. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you very well. <laughs> Looked at me like he wanted to beat me up right then and there. And he stared at me for 30 seconds just looking with this evil look on his face. And he's like, I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that. Yeah. And I thought, to myself, okay, that guy's having a bad day. My day is not any different. What's the difference? <laughs> and so then the next people who pulled up a few minutes later, I said the very same thing. Welcome to sunny Southern California. And they to took it totally differently. They were like, oh, you know, <laughs> thanks for the welcome and thanks for having this place. And, you know, it was like totally different. And I was just like, I didn't, know, I didn't allow that to affect me. I didn't you say, didn't oh. You allow yourself to change, yes. I, I didn't say, oh, well, people are in a bad mood here. I'd better be in a bad mood too so I can fit in or be accepted or whatnot. And I just continued about my way of feeling about it. So I noticed that, and I talked much about this on my show yesterday, is that joy comes from within, not from our exterior circumstances. And so if we can right. sit in the place yeah. within our heart, no matter what's going on around us, we can still have a, a fine time. We can we can be thankful that we are breathing and that we are living. Yes, yes, yes. and that we can remind. I love thankful that we are breathing. Uh, there are two things you said, a place of contentment and thankful we are breathing. My friends, uh, the answer is in breathing. Most of the time when our ego trumps our gut instinct, our message from God, it is because we are not breathing. I, want, I am surprised. It's no wonder that we walk around with high blood pressure and, and heart disease and all of these other various manifestations because we forget to breathe. The number of times I say to people, breathe. Just breathe. You know, I'd love for somebody to put on my headstone, except I'm not going to have one. But if I did, I would love for them to put, remember, breathe. The breath of life. And that breath of life will take you to a place of contentment. The passage in Uniquely Created, Divinely Inspired You, a book that I wrote down for God. I don't take any credit. My name is on it because they expect human names. But... Um, and if you want a copy, just send me an email. My email address is in the tagline for the uh, show, <clears throat> the header at the top, and I will gladly uh, send you a copy, an uh, electronic copy for free. But this is intuition will guide you if you let it. Trust your gut instinct even when it conflicts with your mind, except do so after you've breathed, my friends. We should put that proviso in there, breathe first. Allowing your mind to control denies you the opportunity to learn from past lessons. Your soul is nudging you to remember. The answers in all, to all of life are within you and grounded in love. When God said, I know you don't need to have me say this out loud, but I'm going to say it. When God said, I am the great I am. He meant you. When God said, I am that, she meant you. She meant you. You are a part of God. There's nothing egocentric to think that. When Jesus said, we are of the body and the body is one, he meant you. 
We are all part of the same body. And when we look at our fingers, when we allow ourselves to ignore our gut instinct and look at our fingers as our enemies, would we still start chopping them off? Would we decimate our own body? My friends, that's what our species does. It kills itself. And so as the Hopis indicated, we are part of a common fabric that is weaving together. And Brian and I have dared to suggest that the weave is almost done. And through three deep breaths, remembering to breathe, you will be taken to a place of contentment where you can see the beauty of the moment just as it is. Brian is going to lead us in a centering exercise. Uh, we do kind of long ones. It's not like going to church and you get uh, a three-minute prayer. But you know what? Don't you love the prayer? It's followed by, I love singing in church, but it's followed by passing the offering plate, which keeps your group alive. It's a way of sharing and supporting one another. But then it's followed by this. As it was in the beginning, it now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Do you pay attention to those words? That is a wonderful, wonderful, uplifting promise from love from God to you. As it was in the beginning, it now and ever shall be world without end. Hell is has imploded. It's frozen over. Before we go with Brian, I want to share, I periodically not as often as I should pull what I our conversation with God cards from Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, Brian interviewed Neil Donald Walsh. That's a particularly uh, great uh, program that Brian did on Nara Narayama, uh, Radiate Love Without Expectation. I really encourage you to go. We archive all of our programs. You can hear that. But this morning I ended up with four cards. And I want you to know, I am, I am just truly amazed at how this program has, and it all evolves together in a seamless fashion, because Brian and I don't talk about it in advance. And I'm also amazed at how the four cards really became the core of what we've been talking about. The first card I pulled was, use the great command that calls forth creative power. I am. I am one with all things. If we could look at other beings, other humans, and see, I am that. What a profound effect that will have on how we choose to act. That will be like severing off our finger one at a time. The next card was there is no limit to what you can become. Only self-imposed, only when you forget to go into that place of contentment and welcome people to sunny California when it's snowing outside. When you can accept the moment. This has been a profound program for me just in the accepting the moment because my youngest daughter, I've been planning this Thanksgiving day which is really Christmas Day, but it's a time of Thanksgiving, thanking God for a messenger. I've been planning it for months. Me. Just me. Me in control. And my youngest daughter and her family are stranded in Seattle at home. And now that's done. If they come, they come. And if they aren't able to get over the mountains, that's okay, too. And that's the lesson in this for me, finding that place of contentment 
when I'm disappointed. But that's okay. Life isn't promised bliss. It's staying in love when you're in chaos. Contentment. The third card was to change your root thought. You have to act before you think. And I think Brian and I do that every Sunday. We share with you what the feelings inside of us suggest. To say that we have voices in our head, uh, I can't speak for Brian. I can speak for myself. I really don't. I have a sense of presence around me. And that presence causes words to encapsulate in my mind. And periodically, I, I put the words together incorrectly, and the presence lets me know that I have done that and persists in the feeling, the sensation, until I feel the words that best exemplify what the presence believes needs to be said. And this last one, my friends, let it guide us in the holy season. What you do for yourself, you do for another. What you do for another, you do for yourself. And Brian, I want to say namaste to you that you went out and started guiding the people in, that you looked around to see where you could be best needed. I I, I think that that's something so many people don't do. They wait to be told. And so that was a wonderful, wonderful mitzvah that you did. And I thank you for that. I know you may want to say some more because you're so... Well, thank you. I, you're so courteous. Uh, I, what I'm going to do is put on, um, I think today we're going to do Meditation Station. I love that song. I was going to look for a Christmas piece, and I, uh, I didn't find one. So maybe next Sunday we'll have a post-Christmas piece, uh, presuming you're going to be available next Sunday. Yes, I'll be available. Okay, me too. So here we are, meditation station, pool of the soul. And Brian, uh, it's it's a little long, so if you want to say something before you begin, feel comfortable doing that. And I will turn it on when you're ready to begin the meditation. Go ahead and please turn it on now. All right, here we go. I think a wonderful theme that we've been talking about on the show today has been been being more at peace with inside yourself in the moments that you're experiencing as you live your life and go throughout your day. And I know for me, much like Mara has talked about, that when we slow down and we breathe and we just be thankful for that and focus on that, we find ourselves slowing down We find our blood pressure lowering. We find our heartbeat slowing. We find our mind being more at peace as less thoughts enter our mind as we focus on the breath. And I know much during this time, the Christmas season or the holiday or the holy day seasons are usually strenuous and stressful as they are. And I think that this year, with many other circumstances going around, we might be feeling more stress than usual. And I think, in fact, for me, this is how I experience it, that this is a beautiful, beautiful time to really learn the lesson of being content and being at peace with what is. Because when we think about it, we can truly only handle what is in front of us now. If the future is not now, now is all there is. And when we project so much into the future that we are missing the now, that's when we feel even more stress and like we're not in control. And then we get more stress from that. And so when we can realize But now is all we can handle, because that's all there is. And we focus on that and be content with that and take each moment as it comes. We will find ourselves more at peace in every moment. And we'll find ourselves more content in every moment. And we will find ourselves more loving in every moment and more accepting of everyone in every moment. 
And so this is what the, I would like the meditation to be today, is a wonderful tool that can be used to pull yourself back into peace when chaos or situations are happening in your life that were not what you planned. But life doesn't always go as planned. And so the best thing we can do for ourselves is to find a place of peace that we can go to when life doesn't go as planned. And so now I'd like you all to get comfortable in whichever manner is most comfortable for you. Taking care that your spine is straight, but most importantly, most importantly, is to be relaxed and to be at peace in this moment. So if you find it too difficult to sit in your chair or sit on the floor in whatever position and you feel more comfortable laying down, please do so. The idea is to be relaxed, comfortable, and at peace right now. Now I ask you to close your eyes and begin taking nice deep breaths in through the nose and out through the nose. In through the nose and out through the nose. And if you find it too difficult that you have to put too much attention I'm breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Then I invite you to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Whatever is most comfortable for you. As we continue to slow down and feel our heartbeats slow with every deep breath. In through the nose and out through the nose. And now we feel ourselves relaxing. And I want us to take our attention to the crown of our head, to the very top of our head. And with each breath, taking a deep breath in. And as you release the breath, I want you to feel yourself relax even more, and if there's any tension in the in your head, let's say in your forehead, in your cheeks, anywhere, I want you to release it with each breath, slowly moving down, down, down your body, taking a deep breath in, and as you breathe out, you feel your forehead relax, you feel your cheeks relax. You feel your jaw drop and become relaxed. As you take another deep breath in and you breathe out, you feel the tension leaving your throat and your shoulders moving down, down, down. As you take a deep breath in and out, you feel the tension leaving your arms and your chest, making it that much easier to breathe. And as you take another deep breath, and as you let it go, you feel your hands relax, and your stomach and lower abdomen relax. And as you take another deep breath, and let it go. You feel your hips and pelvis relax. Down into your legs and you feel your thighs relax. And as you take another deep breath. And as you breathe out, you feel your knees relax and your calves relax. Down into your ankles. As you feel your ankles become relaxed. you breathe in again and breathe out, you feel the last bit of tension leaving your feet, leaving the balls of your feet, leaving your toes, and out down into the earth. And 
And as you take another deep breath in, I want you to come back up and bring your attention to your lungs and your heart. Taking another deep breath in. And breathe out. And now let's scan our body one more time from the top down in case we might have any more tension anywhere in our body. Breathing in and breathing out. Making its way down, down, down. Becoming even more relaxed and at peace. Take a deep breath in. And out. Sending the breath down, down, down. Down your body. Taking another deep breath in. And out. Sending even lower. Becoming even lighter. Becoming more at peace. Taking another deep breath in. And letting it go. And as we might take one more breath. And putting it out. Realizing. That every time we let go. We find ourselves at peace. Every time we accept what is and no longer resist it or fight against it we see that we find peace in that moment and so anytime things in our lives might not, not be going the way we wished or hoped or planned no matter how much planning we did we can always remember to come right back to our breath and take as we take a deep breath in and we let it go we feel relaxed we feel at peace we feel content and once again as we take a deep breath in and we let it go We once again feel at peace, content, and we might find joy. And we can realize by taking a deep breath in, there's only so much we can take. There's only so much we can handle before we have to let go. And so if we might be taking it on too much we can find that the, if we even let go a little bit we'll find some peace and comfort and we might begin to find that as we take a lot on taking a huge deep breath in as much as you can until you can't anymore you might find that the more we let go the more at peace we are. And this is what I'd like to leave with you as you go out through the rest of your holy day seasons. And indeed, the rest of your 2009, as 2009 comes around, we can realize that this can be used and utilized in every day in every moment of our lives. And the more we remember to come back to the breath and be at peace with that, the more peaceful we will be no matter what circumstances take place in our lives. Let's just set with this remembrance that we might realize we've always known what's inside of ourselves. And we are just now reconnecting with it once again. 
and we might find gratitude and thankfulness for this, realizing the connection, the reconnection we have made once again. So with this in our awareness, let's take a few deep breaths, being content and being at peace with these next few moments. As you're pulling your breath in, imagine yourself lining up your chakras. And as you do so, you can elongate your breath by adding each word, each message that comes from the chakras go through your mind so that when you reach your crown chakra, you release your breath. And with practice, you will be able to believe and say, I am fearless, creative, healed, loving, forgiving, manifesting, divinely inspired. Breathe out. One more time. I am fearless, creative, healed, loving, forgiven, manifesting, divinely inspired. And as you say that, feel your arms vibrating with the energy of love as you connect with the great I am. And feel that energy transfusing through your body and let us all reach out our arms now, holding hands. Send that energy around the world, reminding all that they are enough just as they are. And the challenge in believing that is living it. The words are simple to say. The life is hard. Divine One, teach us to breathe through chaos. Teach us to breathe through fear. Teach us to breathe past ego. Teach us to let go of our will and align our will and thy will in love. Letting go of harmful thoughts where we don't see more in others than they show. And as we do this, and as we send that energy of acceptance around the world, imagine the earth lighting up like the giant ball of love that is possible from a planet completely occupied and composed of God, of love. Namaste, my friends. In the valley... On the mountains, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted in the flame. Amid the sparks of the flames, I beheld only God. Rabia the mystic, beautiful Muslim, saying, Brian, Have a joyous, joyous holiday season, and I want you to know how truly I appreciate you're doing this show with me. I recognize that it's a challenge in an already busy life, and thank you so much. Would you like to lead the show out? Namaste, my friends. Peace be with you during the holy days. I want to thank you for inviting me to be on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. And I also want to thank all of you listeners for being here as well. And I hope that you might get something out of each and every one of these shows, because I know I do, and I'm quite sure Molly does as well. And we appreciate you you being here and participating in this time with us. And with that said, I'd like to just remind you all once again to connect with your breath when times might be getting a little strenuous. And reconnect with the peace of which you always are. 
Namaste.